Hello and welcome to the Lead, Develop, Care podcast, the podcast devoted to taking the mystery out of leadership while helping you grow in your capacity and competence to become the leader others want to follow. I'm your host, Todd Cothran, and I'll be joined by Terry Cook and Henry Clay. In this episode of Lead, Develop, Care, we are going to be joined by Mark Rude. Mark is a high-level leader and leader developer in his organization, an international company that specializes in training a new generation of leaders. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Welcome, Terry, Henry, and Mark. Yep, it's great good to be, to be with, with you. you. Great. Good morning, guys. Henry, I know that you and Mark have a relationship that goes back a number of years. So I would love it if you could kick off our conversation with Mark. Sure. So glad to be with you, Mark. And uh, I was wondering if you could just uh, start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, where you've served and what you've done in your career. Sure. I'd love to. Thanks again for inviting me today. I work for an international nonprofit organization. Uh, we're in about 100 different countries. And as Todd mentioned, we're focused on raising up the next generation of leaders. And so I had the privilege of uh, serving in Tokyo for the past 22 years. And I'm originally from the, the Virginia area, right outside of Washington, D.C. And um, yeah, it's been a fantastic journey, uh, starting with the field work and then slowly you know, as I moved up through our organization, um, I realized what, you know, what got me here won't get me there. Mm-hmm. And so really leader development has been for me essential in helping myself move ahead and also helping others to just grow to their full capacity. Sure, uh, thanks. Share, share a little bit about uh, if you can remember when were you first exposed to the lead develop care model? I think I'd heard about it, different leaders uh, through our organization use it. So you heard little trickles of it and little ticklers about it, but it wasn't until I think a seminar that you and Terry did together that I really had the first full exposure uh, to the model. And how long ago was that? That was probably around um, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in that that eight years since then, what, what kind of... Uh, observations would you make in terms of the value that that's added obviously it everybody gets uh new information on leadership and it's in the context of a lot of other information you already have so where am i going to put that piece of furniture what tell us a little bit about how lead develop care how you've experienced that over the last eight years and its benefits well for us um a larger framework that we often use is leaders leading and leadership direction and so leaders is about like a leader's character, uh, their self-awareness, their EQ. It's their kind of qualities that make them a good leader. But LDC, Lead Develop Care, it really helps us with leading. What is the leader's actual responsibilities? Mm. What do they actually do? What are the capacities that they must master or at least bring to a minimal proficiency if others are going to trust them as a leader. Then the last one is leader leader direction. And that's usually specific to each organization. What are we, what's our vision? What's our vocation in the world? What are we trying to accomplish as an organization? Lead Develop Care is that middle piece of actually giving people the capacity to do a leader's responsibilities. Hmm. That's great. That's great. Uh, I was thinking also, uh, recently you told us a a story, told me a story about how you ended up um, 
interacting with the lead developed care model in, as a framework for thinking on that trip to Peru. Why don't you uh, lay out that story for us? I thought it was a great illustration. Oh yeah, it was a hot mess uh, to be certain. Um, you know, you learn you learn these things in a seminar or from Terry's book or you know a webcast or something, and it goes in your mind. You me- you memorize the operational aspects, you memorize the framework, and you know you have that notebook. But um, it's actually when you're in the field and often in a crisis that you really realize the value of something like this. And so a few years ago, we took a trip um, to to Peru, two of my colleagues, Carl and Carrie, and we took 10 Japanese um, students, university students, to Peru for a cross-cultural exchange and leader development experience. Mm. If you go to Peru, you have to go to, of course, Machu Picchu. And so these are college students. They don't have any money. So we found out um, the train to the base of Machu Picchu is $100 each way. So being trying to be innovative and creative, how do we save money for these students? We decided we'll walk, the, we'll hike the way in and take the train on the way back. So we, I can't speak Spanish. We had to rely upon a local friend in Peru uh, for some details. And he said, oh, yeah, you can hike from here to Machu Picchu in about three to four hours. We thought, OK, we can do that. So it's 1 p.m. Uh, we get to the we drive to the departure place and there's some per- uh, Peruvians there standing around. Uh, day drinking. And so we asked them, uh, where, you know, how far is it to Machu Picchu? One guy says, oh, it's three hours. Another guy says, oh, it's five hours. Another guy says, it's four hours. We thought, okay, we're in the ballpark. It's 1 p.m. We'll be fine. We started hiking. It's it's wintertime in Peru, of course. Ten, ten Japanese students, myself, my two colleagues, none of us can speak Spanish. There's no signs. Within an hour, we're, we've gotten lost two times. We get back on track. Three hours in, we start looking up in the mountains. Where's where's Machu Picchu? And we and we can't see it. We found a national forest uh, forestry uh, person, and he said, "Where are you going?" We said, "Oh, we're going to Machu Picchu." And then he said the words. He spoke very little English, but he said his question was, "From here, you're going to Machu Picchu." <laughs> and then I knew that we were in trouble. And he said, "From where you started, it's 35 kilometers to Machu Picchu." Wow. I look at my clock at my watch and it's four, it's 4 p.m. already, 4:30 p.m. And we realize we are in trouble. We, are, we have no cell phone coverage. We have no very little water. It's wintertime. We have no rain gear. We have no tents. And here's these 10 Japanese students who their parents uh, are trusting me to bring them safely to this place. And we're in the wilderness of, of Peru. And I said, okay. And I just started walking and I was panicking. What am I supposed to do? Wow. And so then I remember, well, what does a leader, what are a leader's responsibilities? And it just like came to me in my mind. Oh, every leader has the responsibility to lead, develop, and care those who look to them for leadership. And I remember learning in the seminar that in a crisis, you just take develop and you just toss it out the window because now <laughs> is not the time to be thinking about developing someone. This is about the lead responsibilities and care. So for 15 minutes, I just went through the different the different aspects, set direction, align, motivate, manage. And then on the care, how do I know, connect, provide, and protect? And that began to make a plan for our time. So set direction. We gathered together and I said, well, we have two options. We can go back and we'll be safe and we, we can go, you know, where we, we can go somewhere else in Peru. But if we do, we'll lose our chance to go to Machu Picchu, or we can go ahead 
And I have some thoughts. I have a plan, but I need you to all buy into this. One thing you taught me, Henry, was uh, a leader doesn't set direction. A leader is responsible that the right direction gets set. It wasn't my job to choose whether we go ahead or not, but to facilitate that process. And so they all voted and they all said, we want to go ahead. And that was the beginning of set, of making a plan. And then how do we motivate them? How do we manage our limited resource? Everyone turn off your phones on your, on your, your lights on your phones. We'll use them and we'll take turns using them. Who's got water? Um, how do we, and thinking about care, how do we really provide and protect we kept getting lost. So let's go down to the rail, the railroad where you're not supposed to walk. And I know if we walk along the railroad, we will stop getting lost. And we know we will arrive at Machu Picchu. And then protect. There was one, one member, and she was very ornery and caused a lot of problems on our team. So when we paired off everyone, I thought, she needs to be my partner so I wow. can really know what's happening with her connect with her and really uh, protect her influence from the rest of the group. Mm. So anyway, after walking for the next 10 hours through the darkness, taking turns with our lights, sharing our water along the railway, going through these long 200 meter tunnels, we arrived in uh, Machu Picchu the next uh, early in the morning and these 10 Japanese and, and the three of us <clears throat> And it was amazing. Of course, the next day, Machu Picchu was beautiful after we stayed in a hotel. At the end of the trip, we asked the students, of all the things you saw in Peru, what was your favorite thing? And they all said, our favorite thing was Stand By Me. I'm like, what do you mean Stand By Me? And they said, you know that movie? Japanese love this movie. Mm. Where they, they walk along the train line for many, many hours together and they become friends. They said, that's what this adventure was for us, is that through that crisis, we were able to really become friends. And Henry, you asked, what impact did it have? I love it because it's the tr it's trusted leader. It, it guides your thinking. It doesn't replace your thinking. We still had to do a lot of thinking, but it gave me the categories and what are the things I'm not remembering to do? What are the different perspectives? And so, yeah, I think it really strengthened our trust and all those people, we became really good friends and a lot of them became leaders in our organization. That's so interesting. You know, we we you mentioned about not focusing on development, and yet situations of crisis. If you just lead and care well, it's so developmental hmm. because many people have been deserted in a time of crisis. So yeah. to be able to observe a leader doing their job, you know, doing fulfilling those responsibilities to lead and care. That is incredibly developmental for people, even though that's not the main, your highest priority or, or your, even your focus. As a result of that, and your, your personal experience as a leader with that, was there anything that shifted in your thinking as you, as you uh, live that experience? Yeah, that's great, um, Henry. I think for me, for, I'm a, I love to be intentional and strategic. That's one of my strengths. And so making a plan and executing a plan is one of my strengths. And so I, I tend to, be strong on setting direction, align, motivate, manage. And care tends to be my struggle. And yet the thing I learned from that was it's watching over and responding to the well-being of people. And so it, it as the night went through, it shifts and it's it's responding. It's not something you can make a plan to care for someone. You have to continually watch over 
and respond. And things kept coming up that night that we had not anticipated. So, you know, no one, you know, someone said that uh, no, no plan survives the encounter with the enemy and our plan kept getting unraveled. But that idea of watching over and responding to people's needs and well-being, that I think somehow clicked into my mind on this trip. That's good. Terry, it looked like you had a question. Yes, Mark. Um, you mentioned that at the moment in the crisis, development kind of gets tossed out as it should be. But as you look back on that experience with these Japanese students, were there some development opportunities that arose from that experience? Well, I mentioned the the girl who had been um, a bit of a, a troublemaker or just, just a little bit difficult. Probably some of her strengths were actually what we're running into, I think. Hmm. And I noticed the, um, the trust that was formed, that being together in this crisis, seeing it, it work out well, seeing everyone arrive safely, it gave her the trust to really uh, reach out to me. And to the next years, I became a mentor to her and she had incredible growth. So I think the power of uh, the mo- you know, teach model coach, it gave me a chance to model something, although I wasn't focusing on that. I modeled something that she could recognize as being helpful. And then I remember after the next days afterwards, we were able to sit down together and process and coach, you know, how was it for you? And when did you get upset? And what was that like for you? And is there anything you would do differently if you could go back and do it again? Uh, what's the real challenge here for you? And so that shared experience was really rich soil for us after the crisis was over, not during it. You know, I'm not going to do some coaching in the crisis, but for her, it was really helpful. And we're really good friends to this day. Yeah, and how powerful to um, to to realize that that something that seems like a huge problem, a danger, it's a oh no, uh, can have such a valuable uh, benefit and effect if if handled well. Uh, and, and again, you you it, you can't plan for it. Your limited resources. It, it is what it is. And yet, with uh, a leader that has clarity in their mind about. Uh, at that point, what what did my people need from me? Uh, it really is. Uh, it's a powerful statement. It's a powerful model and example um, that that can affect people for years. I mean, I think a lot of people have a conflicted view of leadership because they've had bad leaders and they think, well, maybe we don't need this. And I certainly don't want to be one. But you realize in times of crisis, nothing replaces having a good leader or even a leader. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes I, I was also interested in, in terms of the set direction. I thought that was very interesting of uh, the importance in, in that particular setting of getting their buy in and including them. The first question we ask on set direction is who should be involved. And there's mm-hmm. sometimes where the leader actually does go ahead and make the decision, either because buy in isn't that crucial or the, the timing is so um, you just have so little time. Uh, d- democracy, you don't have time for democracy. But I think in a, in a case like that, where it was there was risk, there was cost, mm-hmm. and there were options. Uh, getting getting everybody's getting everybody up to speed and letting them all vote, I think, was a very powerful way of including them in the set direction. Mm-hmm. And yet, you didn't give it away. You know, you're still the one responsible for it being set. Uh, but a good example of how. 
uh, at times like that, it's so important to involve people and uh, let them weigh in on it since it's going to cost them. Yeah, we we had a we had a plan of you can choose from three options. We can all go back. We have one or two people want to go back. Carl's willing to take two or three people back, and the rest of us would proceed. And so everyone had to vote one, two. You know, which one do you want? Go ahead or back? And for me, it was important in this situation of uh, really becoming open. Sometimes as leaders, we have we think this is you know this has got to be the way we go. But really, as a leader, remaining open and adaptable and flexible and kind of seeing what people, giving them the chance to weigh in, it creates great buy-in for people. And so as the night got colder and more difficult, everyone knew that they had chosen to go this direction together. And that really helped with, I think that's connected, same direction, yes, but also with motivation. So motivation is so much about raising self-expectations and they're making that choice um, to go themselves. I think it helped raise their self-expectations. So I love lead developed care because it is an integrated model. Each of these aspects are connected to one another. Uh, and on that, let, let me just ask you a follow-up question. You're such a learner. You read all the time. You present a lot. So I realized lead developed care is just one small part of so many things you've seen on leadership frameworks, approaches, et cetera. Uh, I'm just wondering for the person that says, well, there's there's 200 frameworks for leadership. How, how are you viewing that in terms of where this fits in your overall mental architecture about leadership? I mean, I know you said the three things and this is about leading, mm -hmm. but even within leading there, you know, there's the four disciplines of execution. There, there's a lot of different approaches. Uh, how do you see lead developed care in, in in the milieu of so many different leadership models? Oh, great question. Um, I see it primarily because it answers the question, what does a leader do? Uh, which I think sets initially sets it apart. So it's very action oriented. And I love some of those other, those other tools and we use them. But I find that lead developed care has, it's about leading people. It's not about primarily executing tasks or running meetings or setting strategy. It's not primarily about organizational leadership, or it, although it could be used for that. But when I think about leading people, whether it's an individual or a team, lead developed care really is the one that is at the forefront of, of my thinking. So I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's the way I, that's where I place it in my toolbox. Yeah, I think the way I'd answer that is that I see it kind of almost like a bookcase, you know, with the different areas. And there are lots of stuff written on all of those areas. How would you motivate people? How do you bring alignment, et cetera? Um, uh, how, do you, how do you know people connect with them, et cetera? But, but the LDC framework gives something that's, that's broad enough that it covers all the different areas. And yet it's general enough that uh, a lot of birds can land in that tree and find their place. Mm, um, but the problem with having that much information, it can it can blur. It can it you can kind of lose the overview. And it, it seems like the LDC model can help uh, bring an overall structure so that you don't leave out any part once you get down into the weeds. Yes. Well, Mark, thanks. You know, we, this has been so, so valuable. Uh, uh, we're really, what a, what a great story and what a great illustration of, of using lead developed care in a situation of crisis. Yes. 
Yeah. So, Mark, I, I really would love to know. So you're standing there in that situation. You have your students there and you're asking them, what do you guys want to do? Here's the three options. What were you hoping they would say? What did you want to do? Oh, with all my heart, I wanted to go to Machu Picchu. This is my okay. one chance in my life to live yeah. in Peru. And if we don't go today, <laughs> we're not going to Machu Picchu. So I, every, everything in me wanted to go. But we sure. had committed, if they wanted to go back, in the end, the leader is responsible for the people that look to them for leadership. So right. it was a hard decision to to open that up. Sure, yeah. sure. What, what time yeah. did you finally get there? It was after midnight when we arrived. So yeah. Let me ask you this, Mark, uh, between the time you made the decision, all of you made the decision to go and the time you got there, which was sounds like several hours, <clears throat> what was going through your mind? Did you, did, were there times where it was like, oh, did we make the right decision? Uh, I'm not really caring for my people. They're getting, it's getting colder. All of those things, you know, that are hitting you in the journey. <laughs> so how did how did you process that from start to finish? There certainly was a lot of anxiety for me, um, knowing that, you know, especially if someone gets injured or hurt or killed, that I'm I could be responsible for this. Our organization could be held liable for this. So I definitely had a sense of anxiety about that. Um and that's where I think when we have that anxiety, we're not at our best thinking at all. It's not the time to come up with a, leader, a leadership framework <laughs> in the jungle, you know? So I think that that's the thing I thought is having these different categories to think through and to make a plan and guide. I felt like I know that I'm doing the base, the basic things that a leader needs to do. I know I'm thinking about them because I have this framework. And then I think just, I had to just trust, um, you know, just think and pray and trust that, that, you know, we could get through this and lean upon That's each good. other. And the grumbling, it's interesting. There was grumbling initially and it subsided with the clarity hmm. and the decisiveness that was there. People were like, let's just go with, with this. And so over time, the esprit de corps began to develop. So it was, became more and more positive as we went, Terry. Good. Great to hear. Thank you. Mark, you have used LDC a lot in your own life. You've taught people how to use it. What, what do you recommend to our listeners when it comes to sustainability? Because it's one thing to learn it, get excited about it, start using it to a certain degree, but over time, it can kind of peter out. How have you helped people to sustain this over the long haul? Well, I was I was personally helped by well Henry he came to Tokyo with me so I had learned it in a seminar setting I had memorized the different things but it really wasn't until Henry came to Tokyo and spent four days with me and coached he observed everything I did for four days hmm. and then he he coached me it was funny because the last day I said Sunday to Henry why don't you take the day off and he said no this is the day that you and I are going to sit down and go through everything that happened <laughs> the past four days together. And I'll just never forget sitting down and Henry just, we went through everything that had happened. And I think seeing it, the model was being used to evaluate and improve everything I was doing as a leader. So then it began really clicking when I began to apply it. For me personally, I've never had a problem. Uh, it's never faded away because it's been so useful to me. And so once once it got, got into my thinking, Almost every situation I'm going, I'm, I'm spinning those things around thinking what's really needed now. Uh, 
Good. Um, so I think coaching, I think coaching is the biggest thing. Reading mm-hmm. the stuff, memorizing it, going to seminar, yes. But to receive coaching and if possible, an on-site visit by a trainer is one of the best things you can invest in. Oh, that's great. Good. Thank you. Well, I think we're coming toward the end. Um, Terry, Henry, any final thoughts or any a final question, maybe? And maybe, Mark, we can give you the final thought. Terry, Henry? Uh, no, I can't think of anything. I think this has been a great uh, podcast. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Henry, any thoughts? Yeah, Mark, I, I've been hoping for a year to get this thing recorded. I've just loved this story. And um, so thanks so much for for helping us out with this. Uh, that's great. Mark, any final thoughts? Well, I, I also want to just say thank you to Terry and Henry and, and you, Todd, as well. Thank you for taking the, you know, for re- opening the curtain and allowing people to see, you know, the secret sauce. It's not, you don't, leaders don't have to overcomplicate things. And having this framework really has helped us not only in crisis, but in our just everyday leading of, of individuals and teams. So thank you all for developing this model and sharing it so broadly um, with us as well. Let me just tell our listeners what's happening here. So we ended the conversation, and then Mark started telling us about what happened uh, in one of these tunnels. Uh, and so, Henry, why don't you ask that question again? Yeah, I couldn't help but thinking you said 200-meter tunnel, and, and it's at night. And what if the train comes while you're in the tunnel and there's not room to get around it? And it was a tunnel with only one track, and only on each side of the train, there's maybe one or two feet uh, between where the train would go through and this tunnel. So that was our that was the weak link in our plan with these tunnels. <laughs> so how do we manage this? How do we how do we manage the people through this, and how do we protect them from that? So we came up with a plan. When we come to a tunnel, we quietly listen for a train first. We look for the the light. And then I would proceed, I would run through the tunnel by myself to the other side of the tunnel. And if it's short enough, I would be on the other side listening for, looking for the light, listening for sound. And then I would cry out, you know, go. And then they, everyone would run through the tunnel together. <laughs> and that was our plan. Wow. So then what happened, it, and there's probably eight tunnels that we went through. And so one of them was around 100 meters. And as we, I went through and, and with the girl, we went through together. And I, as soon as I said, go, they started running through the tunnel. And then from behind me, I could see the light of the train coming. <laughs> and so I just remember screaming, Whoa. back, go back. And so they had to turn around and run back to the, the front of the tunnel again. So it was a bit hairy and a, a challenge, but thankfully we got through that safely. Wow. Thank you for that story. So, so you did get to your destination and everyone was safe. There yes. were no injuries or anything like that. Is that right? Bumps and bruises, scratches. Yeah. But that's all. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank Mark Rude again for joining us and sharing his experiences and insights concerning the LDC model. As always, be sure to tell others about the LDC podcast if you found your time with us helpful. And visit us at leaddevelopcare.com to find out more about LDN Global and the many resources we offer. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And until next time, keep leading, developing, and caring well for those you lead.